Welcome to Five Strike Weekly, everyone. This week we break down how Atlanta United absolutely outclassed the Supporters Shield winners over two legs. And there's gonna be an Atlanta United day? All that coming out. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe and leave us a good rating. So guys, let's get into that beautiful second leg, the best loss ever in Atlanta United history. I certainly cannot complain. It is, in fact, the best feeling I have ever felt after losing a game. Yeah, absolutely. But, of course, we won 3-1 on aggregate, and, you know, I think we did absolutely everything we needed to. We were resolute, and we defended for our lives and made sure that Red Bulls pretty much got nothing in this uh, entire series. But, uh, I mean, this... This starting eleven was, uh, you know, unchanged. Uh, very interesting, I think, because uh, yeah, Tato Martino just didn't really uh, want to risk. I think putting anybody else in there, he had full trust in these guys to get the job done and get the job done. They absolutely did. Um, I was a little surprised to see Larry get in that eleven again because yeah, I mean, he just come off of injury. Uh, you know, four days rest. It's uh, not exactly for a 35-year-old the most ideal thing, but I guess he's now got nine days of rest that uh, will suit him well. Absolutely. For me, I was a little bit nervous when I saw it as well. It was not shocking to see Tata go with the 3-5-2 because Atlanta United, they didn't really have to do anything. They just had to sit back, absorb pressure, and if they could, nick a goal on the counter, which they almost did courtesy of Joseph Martinez 15 seconds into the match that would have effectively killed the tie then and there. But for me, you know, it was a bit worrying because you saw how he really got exposed back when we played them at Red Bull Arena in September. But this match was completely different. Mm -hmm. That time Atlanta United were trying to get three points if possible. This time they just knew they didn't have to ship three goals. It was a completely different scenario for them and they saw it out. I don't think Red Bull really could do anything about breaking United down because they were so compact, so resolute, and really didn't try to do anything other than defend. And because of that, they got the result they needed. Yeah, but that's not to say that we didn't have our chances. And I think arguably we had more chances than the Red Bulls. And uh, our chances were a little bit more clear cut. Yes, they did get that goal. But um, I mean, in terms of, you know, if you want to look at XG and whatnot, you know, it's uh, actually uh, looking good in our favor in that respect too. But uh, of course for Red Bulls, they're 11. They didn't have Kamara Lawrence again, and they went with an unchanged. And I think uh, a big factor in this match for both of the, the legs was uh, an Eric Rometty, who was really just neutralizing Kaku the entire time. And uh, that's what the focus really was, is that Kaku uh, likes to, you know... Um, He's now in a different type of system uh, than earlier in the system uh, in the year. Um, he was creating more of the chances for the team, and when you neutralize Kaku and all their other guys like Royer, um, Moyle, like and even Bradley Wright Phillips, they like to run onto balls. If they don't get those chances, then. It's not there. And Absolutely. I mean, for us, I think what was great, and you've seen Tata do this against NYCFC and now against Red Bull, is mm -hmm. he's playing at three-man midfield of Nagby, Rometty, and Gressel. Now, sometimes you think, yeah, maybe Gressel isn't the best, you know, t technical central midfielder. Mm -hmm. But when in terms of like energy, effectiveness, running, intensity, that's probably the most dynamic midfield you're ever going to get. And they can run themselves into the floor, cover all the spaces, and neutralize any attacking threat. And that's what they've done in the four games so far this postseason. All three of them have absolutely put in shifts. Nagby gives you, you know, that touch of class on the ball. is gonna clean up any defensive problems you have. And Gressel just gives you that drive and thrust and unpredictability, not to mention a shot from distance or a cross into the box. That almost, so so, that almost came off. So 
there's so much you get and each one of them gives you something different. Mm -hmm. And that's been a midfield three that I don't think any of us expected, but nope. it's turned out to be defining for Atlanta so far this postseason, especially mm -hmm. in terms of neutralizing Kaku. Right, and you know, at times the, uh, the, the formation kind of shifted into a 5-3-2. Uh, and I think that's the difference is that Franco Escobar is uh, you know, playing that wing and Gressel isn't. And it's, you know, of course, everybody thinks that Gressel's best position probably is as a wing back. And I think he even agrees that, you know, earlier in the year, he was definitely performing the best in there. In terms of stats, probably for him, that's probably his best position. But uh, I think in terms of impact, this was, uh, you know, as we were saying, yes, uh, something that's very pivotal in this series and against a team like this, which may prove to be a little bit, uh, uh, you know, crucial for a next uh, next game. But um, yeah, in, in terms of, uh, you know, the, you know, the chances that they had, uh, you know, very few, but, uh, you know, there was the one where, you know, uh, let's break this down, uh, Guzan um, gets fouled. And it's, a, it's an interesting, you know, Aaron Long gets right into his body. Um, you know, they score the goal or so they thought. VAR reviews it, and uh, I think it's rightfully so. Aaron Long clatters into Brad Guzan's arm, and, uh, you know, that's how the ball goes in. It doesn't, he doesn't have a touch on the ball at all, and, uh, you know, I think... You know, VAR has saved us in uh, in a way. They've, um, you know, the call wasn't made on the field, but it was definitely gotten right because of VAR. Absolutely, this is VAR at its best. And we've, you know, complained and moaned in with fair reason over the season. But in the two cases of, of this tie, the VAR has been correct both times. It was an offside goal in the first leg, and this was absolutely a foul, jumping into Brad Guzan and knocking it in. Aside from that set play and the one that they eventually would score on at the end of the game, Red Bull's best chance maybe came in the 52nd minute when you had that cross flashed across goal, and no one could get on the end of it. Aside from that, they really struggled to break down Atlanta United, who were sitting in a very low-lying defensive block. Red Bull have not been good at breaking teams down all season. They thrive on winning the ball high up the pitch with their press and attacking quickly. Atlanta, over both legs, didn't give them a chance to do that. Mind you, in the first leg, Red Bull didn't really press until it was later in the game, which yep. didn't make a lot of sense. But I think you also have to question Armis's tactics in this game as well, because his idea of breaking down Atlanta United ended up being a bunch of long balls into the right. box. Something you would see maybe like in the Sunday league or lower league football right. around the rest Just of the vertical world. vertical balls, and that's really the only ideas that they had. I mean, and for us, we had probably a couple defenders at each ball, one to meet and one to uh, to defend the actual uh, offensive player if they somehow got the ball. But I think we were very, very resolute in meeting every single ball that uh, came direct. And, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it played right in, Armas played right into Tata Martino's hands by playing a back three because with Tata playing a back three, you have three center backs who are accustomed to heading the ball away yes. and playing that defensive role. Plus Escobar. Plus, plus you have Escobar, <laughs> who when you were sitting in as a back five, is finally showing that positional discipline mm -hmm. I've been begging for all right. season. He's been playing phenomenal. And he's and the I'll, best header of balls, of the balls on, the on the team. So you have him in there as well. So the back post sometimes would be cleared or the front post would be cleared because Escobar is going to be tucking in there. I mean, I don't know what Red Bull were thinking, but honestly, that match was about as comfortable as it could be without having the ball or he even being able to pass the ball effectively. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, ridiculous uh, percentages, of course. Uh, we were, we had a pass percentage of 49%. We had 30.9% of the possession. I mean, we just didn't want the ball at all. We didn't want to give them any chances because that's really how they create their chances. And so uh, it was very smart tactics. 
a very masterclass of tactics by Tata Martino. And if I saw the stat correctly, I believe it's this is the lowest pass percentage any team has completed in a win since 2010 when they began tracking that stat or something right. like that. Some insane number to think that a team that prides itself on building out of the back and pressing and passing and moving in beautiful football can just do the absolute ugly throwback Jose Mourinho when he wasn't yeah. terrible type football where you're saying you're just going to have to break us down and we're going to play on the counter and take our chances when we get them and it effectively neutralized everything Red Bulls were good at throughout the entire season and that sees Atlanta United win the tie 3-1 and move on to the MLS Cup. Right um, and now getting into a little bit more of the stats a little bit um, it's interesting how few yellow cards there were um, I think yeah it really had to be a playoff foul uh, for it to be really called. I, I, I like kind of jokingly said, uh, I mean, you almost had to like knife a guy or like really just cleat a guy in the face or something to get a foul. I mean, it's just, you know, so much stuff was let go. And uh, I think at the end, uh, though, I'm sure a lot of us complained throughout uh, all the matches uh, so far, I think it was the right call to uh, to just swallow swallow the, the whistle and just let a lot of the uh, you know the fouls go. At the end of the day, it worked out for Atlanta United. We ended up fouling Red Bull players more over the two legs than they fouled us, which I found kind of surprising because yeah. routinely I felt that Red Bull players were absolutely kicking the ever-living yeah. crap out of our players. But again, it is what it is, and Atlanta United come through victorious, yeah. which is funny because Red Bull set fans said, we can't beat you, and guess what? We did. Enjoy we your supporter shield yeah. again. But um, yeah, and so, you know, let's get into the man of the match. Um, you know, it's it's very, very difficult, I think, um, I think maybe to decide who the man of the series is, which we'll get to, but man of the match, maybe it's slightly easier. LGP. I mean, yeah. I don't think it could be anyone else. That man was all over the field. If you had the ball in Atlanta United's third, you could bet that man was coming from you from some angle with sliding tackles, regular tackles, yeah. clearing the ball, heading the ball. He yeah. was an absolute unit all yeah. over the pitch. Yeah, it's like uh, if you had the ball, you had a laser on your back, and you know he was sniping you essentially, and he was gonna bring you down, or he was gonna get the ball cleanly, and you know just uh, yeah. It, he, yeah, to me was definitely the uh, the man of the match as well. I mean, he uh, it was I a masterclass of defending for sure. Yeah, you know, it really wasn't a bad foul in there. You know, at any point, I think uh, he set the tone early as well. Let the Red Bulls know that you know everyone was going to get stuck in, and you know if you thought that you were going to get an easy chance in the box, nah, it ain't going to happen. But um, I think so. Yeah, even even harder so than. Uh, your man of the tie or man of the series. For me, I think I might go with VAR because it was clutch and disallowing two goals. And even though I hate it, it came up clutch. Uh. <laughs> I just, I just, especially, you know, like I said earlier, I've been uh. hammering on about it all season because we've kind of gotten the shaft on multiple occasions. But as of recently, VAR has been pretty clutch. But to yep. pick an actual player that wears a shirt for Atlanta United, I'm going to go with Franco Escobar. I'm going to mm. swallow a little bit of my pride here because <laughs> I was hammering him earlier in the season. Uh. But he has really come into a rich vein of form in the playoffs. He's been playing the best football he's played all season, probably in his career, finally doing what Atlanta United expected of him. And he's been a force down the right-hand side, both defending, winning tackles, getting in on people, getting stuck in, and scoring goals and getting crosses in. He's been doing everything you could want from a wing back, which allows Gressel to move inside and absolutely tear things up in the middle of the park. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to go 
with Franco Escobar. Yeah, I'm glad you finally repent your sins. Uh, you know, you are forgiven, <laughs> Tanner. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, for me, it's Eric Rometty. Um, I mean, he definitely neutralized Kaku. He, I mean, yeah, Nagby and Gressel had a part in it as well, but I think Rometty definitely had the, the sole assignment to really just hassle him and be just on it. He had him in his pocket, pretty much. I mean, Kaku didn't create anything in this match nor the Nash before. Um, and so it was, uh, you know, I think something of, uh, you know, what his role entitled it to be. And um, I think, you know, it's gonna be what's very important going in, you know, into the, the next match, uh, you know, what Remedi is going to be able to do because he is, I think, a, a difference uh, between that tie earlier in the uh, earlier part of the season. But um, yeah, I think Eric Remedi, I mean, for me, has to be. But um, let's uh, let's get into the the quotes from after the match. And Tata Martino, he was asked if he was surprised that uh, New York Rebels sat back a little bit more and they didn't press us high like they did in September or at the end of August. He said, "Yeah, away from home, sometimes this season the Red Bulls hasn't pressed as much as they like to do at home, or they don't maintain it for as long of periods as they do." It surprised us a little bit, but tonight we saw what we expected from them, that they would come out and press us the way they did. He also added uh, that, you know, from the benefits of the press, that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, of course, to be able to score three goals at home without giving one up, that's definitely an advantage. I think that's really, the, the three goal advantage um, really set us up for this entire uh, second match where, yeah, we didn't have to play. Pretty much, uh, it basically became a dead rubber because yeah. Atlanta United took care of business at uh -huh. home like they were supposed to. And that 95th minute goal in what felt like an eternity of stoppage time that I was absolutely complaining about yeah. turned up it turned out to be an absolute gift that really sealed the tie for Atlanta United mm -hmm. because at two 0 you would have expected Red Bull to be able to play their game and expect to win, you know, by by not having to press things or rush things. Right. And Atlanta would probably have to play a little bit more and try to nick in a wiggle. Mm -hmm. Because of that three 0 scoreline at home, we didn't have to do any of that and. Red Bull really never stood a chance of getting back into it. Right. And I think it was funny that they were trying to put the pressure back on us that, you know, uh, this was our tie to lose and whatnot. They were trying to just uh, gain any sort of confidence whatsoever before the match. And, you know, I think it was, I think uh, we all knew that, you know, that third goal was so crucial and uh, it turned out to be so for sure. But, um, you know, but with that, we're going to the cup. And uh, we couldn't be more stoked. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a beautiful thing to have the cup final in Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. I mean, this is, uh, you know, everything that everybody's been waiting for for the two plus years. Uh, I mean, yes, this is unprecedented stuff in terms of uh, franchises in the United States. I mean, you know, in, in terms of having an MLS Cup and a Super Bowl in the same, in a couple of like months rather, uh, it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. I it's, mean, it's big for the city of Atlanta. Yeah, and for me, I'm not a local of Atlanta, but I can see how much it means to the people here. You know, there are people that you see on the street wearing Atlanta United shirts all the time, and and it's from all walks of life, all cultures. Everyone's buying into this team, and I imagine that there's going to be a lot of screens tuned to that match right. on December the eighth. And I can only imagine what it'll be like in this city if Atlanta do go on to lift that cup mm -hmm. that we all crave. Right. It's just, it's been incredible. The the playoffs have been incredible. You know, we were obviously worried coming in after that very disappointing Toronto result to end the season. But this team dug in. They did what they've done all season after they faced diversity and lost a game, which actually we'll get on to later. Yes. Um, they, they turn things around if they lose. And that's mm -hmm. what they've done so far this postseason. They beat the best two teams in the East back to back. The two teams that have really had our number in terms of winning games 
and now they're playing for an MLS Cup in their second year. And yes, you know, we're lucky in that we haven't had to wait long to try to get to, mm -hmm. a, to a cup final. Some teams have been in the league much longer than us and yeah. haven't even tasted it. But it's just a credit to everything about this team, the front office, Uncle Arthur, everything they've done has been A plus 100 from the get go. Yeah. And that's why you're gonna see 75,000 people, probably a record crowd for that stadium, packing in there on December the 8th to watch the MLS Cup Final. Yeah, and it's one of those things, it's not just bandwagon fans or you know people that are coming on later as well. I mean, these are diehards from the very beginning when the team was announced in 2014. And so it's, it's one of those, you know, we'll get a great mix of all the people that have bought into Atlanta United and I think uh, this city deserves it because we have been starved for that. And, uh, you know, but um, let's get into the news where, yeah, there's a, uh, for me, um, you know, the scenes after the match, uh, oh, some of my favorite stuff uh, from them raising the cup to them sliding. Uh, but I think all in all, it's them celebrating on Red Bull Arena uh, on the Red Bull's ground. Yes, it, it, it's as it sweet nice. as they come. It felt nice. Especially after September and not being able to beat them and lifting a trophy yeah. that they so crave because yes. they've only won one Eastern Conference. They've only played for one MLS Cup mm -hmm. and to celebrate in front of their fans who are absolute mugs, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I'm not, they're not my waste man of the week, but they well could be, I, I have to say. Um, to the fan that threw something at Miggy, congrats. I heard you got arrested. I hope you get banned for life. You're an absolute wastrel. And to that fan that was standing right behind the goal yelling at Michael Parkhurst from three feet away when he yeah. was clearly hurt, you were losing the game. You were on national TV. You look rather silly. Congrats. This is what you get. Right. So that was uh, rather tasty to have as well. For sure. And of course, so Michael Parkhurst, uh, he mentioned that his injury after the match, um, you know, he's, you saw him. He was uh, celebrating when he was holding the cup. Um, you know, so it didn't seem that bad, and he said that he would probably be ready for the cup final. Uh, Boca Negra said on 92.9 that uh, they will evaluate his situation and determine if he is ready. And so uh, I think the signs point to that it's uh, at least a you know recoverable situation. It just seems like a little bit of a sprained ankle, and yes, it may linger a little bit, but I think the adrenaline. And, uh, all that will really just carry through, probably. But um, next piece uh, of a uh, little bit of news is that uh, when La Banda, uh, you know, all the Hispanic core was uh, on the bus, they were getting a little bit, you know, really intimate with the uh, the cup. Um, a little bit of bubbly, a little bit of um, you know all that. But it was interesting to see everybody, uh, you know, celebrating Dale Campeones. Um, and uh, Barco drinking Coke, you know, of course. Of course, he's because British, he's but. not 21 yet. <laughs> you also have to remember the, that little video you saw of Escobar and Barco doing a little shimmy on the touchline after. I do have to say, the most weird thing out of all the post-match celebrations was Joseph wearing the PWP shirt on the Yeah, on the podium, yeah. When we were lifting the cup, it was just like, and wait, what? Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. It was just really, really weird seeing Yeah, that. I guess it was too cold to be just shirtless, I guess, <laughs> so I understand maybe why he wore it, but it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a very strange side and yeah I mean hopefully if somebody asks him to you know uh, exchange shirts next time maybe he just uh, puts it in the back pocket or yeah something. yeah puts it in the back pocket get a get a training shirt something else but because yeah I don't, I don't want to really see him celebrating in another you know I don't like seeing him <laughs> in another team's jersey it makes me feel weird yeah it's, it's definitely weird but um yeah and it you know it's great to see the homegrowns and the rest of the squad 
that weren't able to make the trip celebrating at home. They were kind of pantomiming, lifting the cup at the same time, which is a great sight to see. And uh, yeah, you had the likes of Romario, Williams, you had the likes of uh, you know all the homegrowns, Andrew Carlton, Chris Gosselin, uh, Patrick Conquo even. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, everybody's excited for this. And you know, we all know though, there's one more to get. This is uh, this is a, a nice trophy, but it's uh, it's not the one we want. Yeah. It's, it's it's some silverware in the cabinet, which is more than some clubs can say, Orlando City. Uh -huh. But that's not the one that we want at the end of the day. We want to lift the MLS Cup, mm -hmm. the big one, and that's going to take a very complete performance against yeah. a very good Portland Timber side next Saturday. Right, and you could tell that yeah, it was a little bit muted, but the, you know they're definitely still celebrating as they should, as this is a uh, a very, very, you know, hard-earned trophy, but yeah. Um, and another bit uh, of the, the trophy stuff is that, you know, Yamil Saad posted something on his IG story, and man, it is just like, at first you're like, oh, oh that's just, so and then you're just immediately in tears because you know he's not part of it. Uh, he's basically showed, uh, a, you know, a, a screen you know, him holding the phone up to, against that TV screen and showing the his boys, tagged all his La Banda boys celebrating, and it's just, it's heartbreaking, really. It's like, crap, man. We wish you were a part <laughs> of the squad, but at the same time, yeah. it's a business side of things, yeah. and unfortunately, couldn't keep him. But, yeah. you know, you can see that the club means a lot to him, and right. I think everyone at the club, he still, you know, is held in their hearts in the highest esteem. He's still friends with all of those guys. He was at the second leg, he was, or he's yeah. at the first leg, I should say, of the, the Red leg, Bull yeah. series. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think he's an Atlanta United fan at heart because of his friends, but it is kind of sad to see him on the outside end. But you know, yeah. that's the nature of the sport. It is how it goes, uh, and I don't think he, if uh, if there was any sort of like uh, you know a medal or anything like that that he would get anything. Unfortunately, not. But you know, you kind of want him. To you kind of want him to be a part of it. You know. Yeah, it's uh, it is sad. But um, yeah, let's get into some of the uh, the stats that came out. Uh, you know, so we have made the MLS Cup now a cup final, and we are at a 77% according to 538 to win the MLS Cup, and uh, that's uh, it's really high. Um, I think it's a little higher than maybe we anticipated because yes, the the Portland Timbers are very very tough. They're a tough customer, and I don't expect those uh, actual numbers to reflect how the game is going to be. Yeah, it's going to be very, very intense. They're a very smart defensive team, and we'll break all of this down for you this coming weekend in match preview. They're going to be tough. They just finished beating Kansas City on the road 3-2 in the second leg, which is not an easy thing to do yeah. in the cold against one of the best defenses of the league, and they prevailed. And it was a very, very good match that was, it, it was, you know, it was... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It was uh, after a very boring nil-nil result, yeah. you could say, in <laughs> Portland that led you to think that, hmm, not a lot's happening from here, mm -hmm. but dang, that second leg was fire, and it shows you that Portland is not a team to be looked over. Right, and especially if you're pushing for a goal, they are ruthless, and they will score on you if you are, you know, just uh, way too spread out, and it's just uh, not gonna, it's not good news, so uh, it'll be, it's a nice little, uh, you know, preview of what might occur in the final, as if everybody has to play, I mean, that's kind of how Absolutely. it's probably gonna go. But the nice thing about playing Portland for me is the fact that they're going to bring a lot of fans. They were here earlier 
here and it was fantastic scenes at the tailgating. They're great people. They're probably right up there with Atlanta United as the most passionate fan bases in Major League Soccer, which for me, I think is a dream to see what they can do to bring an atmosphere to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. There was actually a petition yeah. before the match to get more seats allocated to the away team, which in my opinion, I think they deserve. I wouldn't mind seeing a large block of away supporters because you know that Portland will travel and they're going to bring an atmosphere mm -hmm. which will push the home atmosphere even right. more and create an absolutely epic final. Mm -hmm. I look forward to it. I think it's going to be great. I'm glad they got a little more tickets. Right. It went from like 900 to like 1200, I think. Something yeah. like that. I'm, I'm glad they got some more tickets, but at the same time, I'm also concerned with the fact that for a lot of Atlanta United fans, it's going to be very difficult getting a ticket to this match. Right. No, it is going to be very, very difficult for sure because, yeah, I mean, once everybody found out, it was, uh, yeah, a mad free-for-all. Everybody went to, you know, Ticketmaster or, you know, wherever you needed to go to get tickets. And, yeah, it was uh, just increasing prices, increasing prices. Uh, I think supporter uh, section is something around like 300 now. 300 plus dollars. Yeah, on the resale market, I think. And I think I saw some club seats for over a thousand. I mean, it's absolutely it's insane bonkers. to think that this is tickets for a soccer game right. in America. This is MLS yeah. Cup. I mean, who would have thought the tickets would be going for something like this? And it's in a 70,000 seat plus arena. Mm -hmm. So you know there's a lot of tickets available and you still have the demand that high, right. which is incredible. I, I For me, I think I'm, there's both good and bad with this. It shows you that people are passionate and it means a lot. Mm -hmm. The bad side of it though is that unless you were a season ticket holder and were able to get your tickets beforehand, mm -hmm. and even those are a little bit expensive, but at the same time, you kind of expect it, it is a final. Yeah. It's very difficult for fans to get into here, as opposed right. to the usual games with 70,000 you know, plus, where you can get a ticket for a reasonable amount of money. Mm -hmm. For this one, I think it's going to be tight, but I don't think at the end of the day, it will stop any Atlanta United fans from filling up that building and cheering on their team because they want to see a championship. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, it's going to be worth it if they can get the chance to see that happen in real life. Yeah, I mean, it may cost you your firstborn, or you know, uh, you may have to sleep kidney with somebody. Ki or somebody. Ki kidney donations will be happening in the gulch. Yeah, where I imagine someone will be good at taking yeah. those out in the back. Sperm bake something. I don't know. Who knows? But it's. I mean, it, it, some fans probably have been priced out though, and I feel for that because yeah, I mean, not everybody can afford these upturned in tickets. I mean, imagine. If you're a you know a college student and you want to go to this match and you know you don't have any income or something like that, that's very difficult. And so it's gonna be uh, interesting to see if uh, everybody can. I hope everybody can find a way to get to the uh, to to the bins for this. But I mean, I it's just it's a shame, but it's also uh, it's showing the growth of this. It is an MLS run event versus an Atlanta United run event for the rest of the year. Uh, like it's a uh, you know like the All Star game essentially, and it's you know it means it's a little bit different. You may have a little bit more casuals. You have probably some uh, you know people in the supporter section that are not accustomed to always chanting and standing and screaming, throwing beer. Any but they're going to have to learn really quick yeah. because for this, the intensity is going to be turned up to 11. Yeah. But yeah, you might have some more corporate types or people there, but it's a final. You're always going to get that for a final. But the fact is, it's the final. We're yeah. hosting it. We're in it. And getting into the next piece of news, we find out our CONCACAF Champions League draw on Monday, December 3rd. 
And uh, it's going to be very interesting what uh, team we might be paired with. Uh, it could change. If we win the cup, change. it'll be different. And if we don't win, it'll be different because Portland will be in. Mm -hmm. So we'll definitely see. But it will be very interesting. But it'll be nice to at least get that draw and have an idea of who we can be expecting to play right. come February. Right. It could be a, a Monterey. It could be a Tigres. It could be anybody. But um, yeah. I'm going to have to do a lot more research about the CONCACAF Champions League because I'm definitely not familiar with that Champions League. But I yeah. will absolutely have a crash course in it at some point in time i think actually we might be protected from playing the mexican teams in the first round that mm. we're drawn in which mm -hmm. would see us play i think possibly some you know uh some sides from the islands in the caribbean and mm -hmm. stuff like that so we'll see i, I have no idea it, pff, we'll find out it's going to be a new league and a new adventure for all of us come february of next season yeah it'll be a lot of fun i'm sure and hopefully we can stick around in that competition but uh, next piece of news, uh, also on Monday, December 3rd, the City Council will declare December 3rd Atlanta United Day. That's really huge, really huge news. I think it's really, really cool, but at the yeah. same time, part of me wishes they would wait to see what would happen until after the final it's and true. then make that day Atlanta United Day. Right, absolutely. It's like if I you agree. win the cup on, on December the 8th, right. from then on, December the 8th is Atlanta United Day because yeah. that would have been like the day of the first cup. Right. But, but we'll see. I, I think that's a, it's a showing of that they're backing Atlanta mm -hmm. United. And so what they want to do is to uh, get everybody in the city council to be wearing the kit, a scarf, uh, the team colors, anything to really show the support for Atlanta United throughout the week and to get uh, to the MLS Cup. You know, it's just really a, a show of solidarity from the city and I think that's fantastic. You know, it's just, it, it's, uh, it's what you want from the city and I think that getting the city well. geared everyone towards you know what's happening this week make sure right. you turn the city red and black and gold for the whole yeah. week and leading into the weekend hopefully seeing as many Atlanta United shirts stickers decals flags everywhere we can so yeah on that account I, I do like it on that idea but at the same time uh, a part of <laughs> the time is interesting yeah but well. to move on talk a little bit more about that opponent we will be facing in the cup it is Portland Timbers they did beat Kansas City 3-2 in the second leg like we said earlier and man was it a game kansas city took the lead early on with the goal which was honestly a little bit of bad defending from portland to see the ball yeah. get all the way to the back post mm -hmm. and kansas city fans felt pretty good about themselves until the second half when you saw an absolute beauty from sebastian blanco from what, just 30 unfair. yards out just absolutely cuts inside rips a world-class goal into the corner i'm terrified that's one of the things that terrified me as well please for the love of god do not give that guy space yeah. and just less than 10 minutes later you saw their other talisman diego valeri get them that second away goal that really gave it all to do for yeah. sporting kansas city pouncing on just on a good opportunity i mean nothing just a, a nothing, nothing yeah it's chance, just nothing really. chance that just he turns into something and some yeah. bad defending and a good ball and all of a sudden it's 2-1 to Portland. Kansas City fans have no idea what's going on. They weren't expecting this. This is one of the best defenses in the league that's being undone on the road in a crucial game. Mind you, Sporting KC made it a little bit interesting with the goal in the 81st minute from Gerso to give them a little bit of hope, but they were still going out on away goals. And after an eternity of time added on, it was that man, Diego Valeri, again, that put the final nail in the coffin for Sporting KC at the They death. were pushing way too far up. So I, I mean, they had to go for it. Yeah. It's the last minute of the game. It was they were nine minutes anyway. added on. 99th minute, and he gets the goal to finally kill it off and end it. But you can't blame Sporting KC. They had to go for it. They were doing everything they could but right. credit to Portland Timbers they were the fifth seeded team in the West right. and now they're playing in an MLS Cup 
And for them, their history of winning MLS Cups, their only victory came on the road against Columbus Crew. So right. they will be up for this game. Right. And uh, Dar Darlington Nagby was part of that team as well. So, uh, you know, it's interesting, a little bit of that history in between that. But, uh, of course, you know, the coach is brand new this season. Giovanni Savarese is... Uh, you know, has done a bang-up job and to really pick up the pieces from that team and uh, just really move them forward and to make them so dangerous in this type of playoff format. I mean, it's just, it is a, a very scary customer, I think. Absolutely. And all credit to Savarisi as well because, 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 Due to him being from South America as well, this is actually going to be the first MLS Cup final that sees both managers hailing from the continent of South America, with Savarese coming from Joseph Martinez's home of Venezuela, and Tata Martino, of course, coming from Argentina. So we have a battle of South American coaches, and yeah. for us, it's going to be very, very interesting yeah. indeed. And, uh, you know, so we'll wrap that up, but, uh, you know, that gets us into where the MLS Cup final, we gotta talk about what that TIFO might be because, you know, we uh, we put on an impressive one, for sure, full stadium TIFO. How do we top that? I mean, uh, Jeff Lerner was saying that, yeah, I mean, the only way to top that is if uh, Arthur Blank, uh, you know, allowed us to levitate the stadium. And so, you know, we'll have to, or Darren Eels to levitate the stadium, but either way, you know, I don't know what we have in store, but I am eagerly anticipating, I think that all the players uh, and the, the you know team in uh, front office are anticipating those ideas as well. I mean, if you're the SGs, I can only imagine what they're planning yeah. right now, how quickly they have to bring this together. I think they probably have had a plan just in case they got right. there anyway. But I mean, if they need any money or anything, front office, just give it to them. Let them do something incredible because- They're actually not allowed to do that, but- Oh, uh, that's yeah. a bummer. You gotta yeah, find so some way, just someone to... just write a check to give them the money <laughs> they need to do, whatever it is turn something incredible out because I think you know they have TIFO funds and so you know just donate to any of the supporters groups that are official that uh, you know have those TIFO funds and really I think every little bit is going to help in making this the best atmosphere you know they're rematch. all gonna have to work together and turn out right. something incredible because what can really top what you saw in that first like mm -hmm. against Red Bull I also am curious as to, to what will be limited by MLS you know will we still be able to have that capo stand in the front of the supporter section yeah. and, and have that the golden spike where it is or will it be kind of like where it was with the MLS I mean, all-star all game, all game. Yeah. I mean what are you gonna be limited by I think what's interesting is that Portland is bringing their victory log all the way here from yeah. Portland. So they're going to be going hard with Timbers Joey. Hopefully yeah. not sawing any logs at all in that game whatsoever and just having to haul it all the way back with a defeat. But, you know, it'll be very interesting because you've seen that Atlanta United brings the atmosphere of the supporters groups mm -hmm. do an incredible job doing these TIFOs, right. doing these choreographies, and showing that, yes, soccer is, in fact, thriving in the South where no uh -huh. one said it could be done. Uh -huh. And now you probably could have one of the best atmospheres for MLS Cup final ever. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned with their uh, victory log, uh, quote unquote, um, they can place it right on the smokestacks uh, at the end of the match, especially if we win that match. And, and it can get roasted. Yeah, it can just get roasted and they don't have to carry it back. Works for me as well. <laughs> Works for me but, as uh, well. But yeah, I think another thing, uh, and we kind of touched on it last uh, Five Strike Weekly, is that uh, who's going to hit that golden spike? I mean, it's uh, I, I felt like Big Boy was a uh, big proponent in us really gaining that uh, that tone that we needed to, to win that match because I was jacked up. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, I think it's a matter of what Atlanta legend or Georgia legend 
uh, should hit it. I mean, it's very, you very can't go back and say. get Waka Flocka, even though you know he's so passionate about <laughs> he it. Is. He has already done it. Although he would be, if you were to have a repeat, he is he'd like be the Atlanta fanboy in terms of celebrities for sure. I mean, if you pulled out like uh, any one of the Migos showed up or something, that Migos, would be pretty crazy. Donald Glover. Donald Glover. Well, he's not from here, but Atlanta. You no, know, no, he so. is. He is uh, from Stone Mountain. He is really yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, he's one of those uh, Atlanta OGs. Yeah, and I know I learned something yeah. new. Every I thought he was from like California. No, no, I mean, he's like, he's a worldly guy, but yeah. yeah that's fair I mean, that would be sick if he came out and yeah. did that. Oh, I wanted that Andre insane. 3K, but he doesn't that, really like to be in the public a whole lot, so yeah, I understand that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, just let us know again, like, who would it be? I know a lot of you want, like, Ric Flair, but maybe <laughs> he's from the Carolinas, I think. Yeah, he's not really, not, really the, not, not the one. Yeah, quite the one, but uh, I mean, I, I, I love Ric Flair. Whoever but. they can get. I think it'll be cool, but it has to be someone that gets us all jacked before the game because yeah. it's going to be a big moment. Whoever hammers so. that one home, yeah. I, I think it might be Waka Flock again. I don't know why. I just, I just have a. You can't go wrong. I mean, he has been, uh, he has been that cheerleader. He's traveled to New York both times to, to watch them. I mean, hey, ain't bad, ain't bad. But uh, let's get into our wasteman of the week. Oh yeah, sure. it's Chris Armis because I have to first off by saying you are a wasteman, but thank you for yes. your wastemanery or however you want to call it. For a man who did so well, chatted a bunch of shit, and had his team playing really well and so happy they won MLS Cup, not MLS Cup, Supporter Shield should I say, well you did everything wrong in the playoffs. You abandoned your tactics, you did nothing right, especially against us, and you really handed it right to us. I cannot complain, I was really worried <laughs> about Red Bulls beforehand, but he got everything wrong. Also, second wasteman I kind of already mentioned to Red Bulls fans because, again, you chatted a bunch and then nothing really came of it and you handled yourself like assholes in the second leg by throwing stuff at our players. So congrats, you played yourselves. Red Bulls, Chris Armis, fans, wasteman of the week for me. Indeed, indeed, and that gets us into the question of the day. And our question of the day this week, guys, it's kind of simple. Are MLS Cup tickets too expensive? We really want to hear from you guys on this because we talked about it earlier and it can be a divisive topic. For some people, they really want to go and they just can't make it. For others, you're a season ticket holder and luckily for you, you were able to afford it. But now it's like, man, people want a lot of money for your seat. You better be there if you sell it. I'm going to be yeah. upset. But really interested to see what you guys have to say about these tickets and their prices. Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys think. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.